بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگز of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Tuesday the 23rd of January 2024 with my social Jid Ahmed and also Hanif Khan here with me as well. Asalaamu Alaikum, peace be upon you and good afternoon to you. Wa Alaikum Asalaam, peace be upon you brother Sajil. Yes, absolutely brilliant, feeling great yes. and it's a great afternoon. Although outside here the weather's a bit cloudy but being here with you is mm. a good day. It's a good day. It's a good day, and uh, and I'm pleased to actually say that it's getting a bit warmer. So I'm not saying it's warm, but it's getting warmer uh, than the, than the previous weeks uh, as well, which is which is a good sign. Yeah, when it sight. starts raining and it gets a bit of an overcast, that's when you kind of realise that yeah, it's warming up. It's when mm. it's clear yeah, yeah, blue yeah. sky. And there's no way to trap the heat. Yeah. That's why you start getting these temperatures like one degrees. You yeah. wake up in the morning in the car, you you hit the climate control button on your car, and it's one degrees. It's one degrees. Oh God, that's less than cool. that as well. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thankfully, we're not living in Scotland, isn't it? In, in the north, where where it's like that on the norm. Yes. But uh, we're going to be talking about something which is very very important um, when it comes to when it comes to children, especially. Because we're talking about children or childhood vaccines, and we know th- there's a lot of there's a lot of debate when it comes to vaccines. Yeah. There's there's a lot of people who are pro vaccines. There's a lot of people who are against vaccines, and we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about both aspects of it. Obviously, obviously, it's an interactive show, and we would love to hear your opinions. What what do you think about this? Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call, and please do call in and tell us what you think because there are there is a lot of I I should say mis misinformation or disinformation can we say fake news about this as well and there's a lot of things which people talk about which people are concerned about and real life problems as well people say oh no it it links to childhood autism and this and that. But we're going to be debunking sort of these things. We're going to be talking about these. Uh, can we call them allegations? I don't know, but uh, I mean, misconceptions. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. So, from what I've understood in your introduction, you feel definitely childhood vaccine is something that we should do. Like the MRI yeah. <clears throat> vaccine yeah. is 100. percent And I imagine you've got young children as well, and you probably yes. um, got your childrens with the with, with the, the jabs the, and all yeah, this. Yeah, that's that. right. Because you felt responsible not only to your to your child but also to the wider population. The, and that's it's good that you mentioned that word responsible because. Mm. Let's say you don't vac- vaccinate your child. You don't get vaccines. You don't vaccinate your child. It's not just about them. It's not just about you and your home and your children. It's about the people that are around you as well. And to keep not just yourself and your children and your family safe, but it's about keeping other people safe as well, isn't it? It's not just about ourselves. It's about others also. Because yeah. we're living in this world together. No, you, you make a really good, valid point there. But And you also mentioned about there are people who are vaccine deniers. I think yeah, that's, a, that's yeah, the kind yeah, of yeah, word. Yeah. Because, I, and I also worry that many people back in the day when your doctor said to you that your child needs a vaccine or you mm. need to go and do this. But now these days, because there's so much information that's around on social media that's at the tip of your fingers or on your, yeah. like, your mobile yeah, phone. So, and it's like, my doctor says this, but what what do you think, Google? Yeah. And you think, well, they've studied, how many years have they been studying this profession? Yeah. And dedicated literally a third of their life. Then they give you advice. And then you say, 
Uh, no, I think Google said something yeah. else to me, or <laughs> or someone on TikTok, or someone on Instagram, yes. or whatever. And yeah. we think that you know these people, these influencers, or these you know the people on social media who have a lot of following, yeah. they say, "Oh no, don't get vaccines. Just have your vegetables, yes. and that's fine." Yes, that's you're the right. problem, isn't it? Exactly right. And, and not only that, um, but there have been instances yeah. in the UK, and you may not remember, hmm. but I knew about the drug called flidamide. Right. It was right. asked by pregnant women to take for ver- for various reasons, yeah. and as a result, many children were born uh, disabled. And right. there are genuine reasons why people feel that, especially during the vaccine during COVID. Mm. We had a very big problem trying to get yeah, even our problem. adult population to become vaccinated. And there was this whole thing about, no, I don't trust it. What is this? You're testing on me, especially from an Asian background because of historic reasons of mm. what people know in in Africa. But actually, I think when we kind of talk about the benefits and and obviously the long term and all the kind of preventions, you will see that although there are these things that happen in the past that generally give people the right to say, look, I don't mm. trust this vaccine, I need to know a bit more tes- yeah. testing. Yeah. We realise that the sort of illnesses that are being cured today, many, many centuries, many, many years ago, they you would just die. Yeah, that's true as well. That's right. true. There, there, there has been, you know, in Victorian days before that as well, there has been instances where a a a small thing, which is considered small in this day and age, in the 21st century, if that happened two, three centuries ago, that even just one century ago, that would be considered incurable mm. uh, or something that you can't can't cure. But we can We do have medication. We've got. We've got vaccines to prevent those things. We've got all of these different things. As obviously the medical, the pharmaceutical, or the whole industry is progressing at a as a good at a good you know pace as well. So we've got access to different things in this day and age, in this century that we didn't have previously, and some things which were considered you know small things uh, before, they were considered as if you know oh, oh no this person. Has has been bewitched, or this has happened, or that yeah, has happened, yeah. and they they they're going mad, they're going crazy, they're losing their hair, they you know their their skin is going pale, all of these things. But in this day and age, we can look at that, we can cure that, we can assess that, we can manage that, and we've got access to these different things as well. So it's a bit of both. I mean, obviously, we're not scientists. We're you know, I mean, for the layman. We don't really know exactly one hundred percent what is in those medical, uh, in in those medicines, in those vaccines. But if it has been tested properly, and years have passed, decades have passed, even where the same sort of vaccine or the same uh, medical treatment has been used for something, then then why not? If it's for the betterment of mankind, then then why not? Isn't it? I think that's where you mentioned earlier the, the word responsible. Mm. Responsible, and, yeah. And and not only do you feel responsible, you feel that it's probably the right thing to do mm. because what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Yeah. And and I also understand that with the new vaccine during COVID, that was developed by our scientists. Yes. It's not been very long, right? It, it was, hasn't, it, yeah. And, and you talked about earlier that, you know, has it stood the test of time? Mm. Um, has it worked? Because recently, most people would have heard in the news about measles. Yes. The outbreak of measles that have happened 
the beginning of this year or when it was reported recently, and especially when we talk what's happened in Birmingham, because mm. that's what's been talked about in the news, what has happened in Birmingham, the number of cases, is actually the number of cases you would expect mm. on a year at right. a whole country. Yeah. But uh, you've yeah. seen it now. So you've scientists enough, are yeah. thinking, well, we, we nearly, we, didn't we eradicate Measles. Measles, exactly. So why exactly. is it come? Why is it come? Isn't it part of the um, vaccines you have as a child? So people feel that maybe they're doing the working out. Is that was it that there were some vaccine deniers at that time that mm. didn't vaccinate their children? That is now coming through today. That's the thing that we're that we're seeing that That's because well, we'll go through it now. But the child children who get measles. They can go blind, right. and it, and there are cases yeah. of that. So there are many others which we'll go through, but you know, it's uh, something that we will talk about. And I want to obviously we'll talk about it during the course of the show as well. But yeah. a lot of people think that when or anti-vaxxers, right, or vaccine deniers, or whatever you want to call them, they they also think, and I spoke about this before as well, that they yeah. think that if you give your child the vaccines, then they can have autism, they can grow. Uh, they can have these sort of elements of uh, of maybe ADHD, autism, yeah. and uh, you know OCD or whatever right. these things, they, and they, they're quite linked as well. So it's something which we we need to discuss. We need to, we need to talk about. And obviously, if there are any specialists out there who want to give us some more information about this, zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. Tell us what you think and. Uh, sort of talking about these different things that we isu- we're talking about, the, the issues that we're talking about, that we're discussing. We would love to hear from, from you people, uh, from the listener as well. Now, the UK Health Security Agency, which is the UKHSA, has actually expressed significant worry in regards to this, yeah. in regards to the continuous decline in the administration of childhood vaccines. And like you said, maybe that is the cause of uh, of measles coming back maybe that is the maybe that's the back door right now data from the 22 23 year indicates that a decrease in vaccine rates ranging from 0.1% to 1.2 uh, uh, percentage as well in 12 out of 14 tracked um which were sort of tracked uh, categories mm. now in england None of the vaccines achieved by the World Health Organization's target of 95% coverage, as shown by the statistics. Yeah. That shows you the decline, doesn't it? Exactly right. So once you hit that 95%, it basically means that the community at large can survive the the disease. The disease, yeah. uh, If you're below that and society starts contracting the disease, Hmm. it becomes widespread. Yes, uh, because of that herd immunity, uh, where people like you and me, if you're if we if you're say traveling on the underground, and you've got the the disease, hmm. you could pass it on. You could pass it on, yeah. But if, if the the rate of which people are the vaccine is lower than ninety five percent, the chances of you either contracting or giving it to someone is much higher. Yeah. So that that's the threshold. That's and the threshold, when we look yeah. at the the measles. Um, yeah. Target, it's less than ninety-five percent, 
that's, hence why yeah. we're having this bit of outbreak. That's what people are saying. What people but actually, saying. we're talking about you know this uh, childhood vaccina- uh, va- um, vaccinations, right? And when you look at a large, you know yourself when you're at school, the kids play around in a play, play everywhere, dirt, yeah. mud. They, I mean, that's the, animals. Yeah. So it's it's all about how important it is to safeguard our children hmm. as soon as possible. As soon as possible. So when they get older. It's, it's okay. It's all right. Yes, yeah. it is. You don't need yeah. to worry about it then as well because everything has been taken care of when they're when they're younger. Yes. Um, but let's speak to let's speak to a specialist in regards to in regards to this as well. We've got Amanda Schiller on the line with us, the clinical director for Vaccination UK, who delivered the the school age immunisation program on behalf of the NHS England to children all across the all across the country as well. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you so much, Amanda, for, for joining us. Just I've given a little brief introduction about yourself mm. and can you give us some insight in regards to the work that you do in, yeah, in terms sure. of immunisation, vaccines and all of this, please? Sure, yeah. We're, we are um, commissioned by NHS England to provide the school-aged immunisation service and we deliver that across northeast London, uh, to the West Midlands, and also the north of uh, North Yorkshire and the Humber in the north of England. So, hmm. so we deliver what is effectively the pro- part of the childhood routine schedule that completes it for children. So that would be the vaccines that we cover are things like the flu vaccination, which I'm sure many of your listeners have probably heard about um, in recent months due to the, the season. Um, and we also deliver the HPV vaccine for year eight children and diphtheria, tetanus, polio and meningitis for year nine children. Hmm. Um, and in addition to that, I, I got some reference to measles there um, prior to coming on. Uh, in addition to that, we also offer the MMR vaccine for any child who hasn't had two doses of the vaccine. Right. So, uh, so, yeah. Right, right. Amanda, we spoke a little bit about um, about public health as well before before you, we we took you on air. Mm. Why are school vaccinations so important, and how do they maintain or how do they contribute to yeah. to, to public health? I mean, they're enormously important as all of the vaccinations are throughout you know the life cycle that we're recommended to have. Um, but particularly, children are very good at spreading disease. Mm. You know, they have a good close contact with each other. Their hygiene isn't always great, particularly younger children. So they're really good at spreading diseases, which is why it's important that we vaccinate them not only for their health, but also to protect families, friends, the wider community. Um, in particular, you know, family members who might be elderly, who have poor immune systems or conditions that mean they don't create immunity to diseases as well, um, to very young, you know, very young siblings, babies. So so it's really important that, that we do make sure that these childhood immunisations and school-aged ones are, are, are taken up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda, there is this common concern that parents, when they have the opportunity to vaccinate their children at school age, mm. they don't do it. I mean, yeah. h- how do you address it because I mean if you're a Daily Mail reader back in mm. the day you mm. probably would never have taken giving your children the MMR, MMR yeah. uh, vaccine yeah. or, or measles because that's the way they kind of educate their their, their readers yeah but, yeah absolutely I, I think it's important you know that we just keep reiterating the message that these vaccines are safe you know they are mm. tested you know it takes years and years to get a vaccine to license so there is so much testing and there are so many tests 
to make sure that um, vaccines are safe. And so I suppose it's a matter of addressing the concerns that, that parents have. There are common concerns, you know, that these childhood diseases are harmless, you know, that, mm. that it's OK, it's better for them to get it naturally, that, that type of thing. But actually, you know, there's lots of cases where, this, you know, there's children who can become quite sick when they get something like measles, meningitis can be fatal. Yeah. You know, these diseases are really serious. So it is mm. important that we address these concerns. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about chicken pops, I remember mm. when when my young nieces and nephews, and they're very young, that when they got chicken pops, they would go around to their cousin's house yeah. and say, right... <laughs> Yeah, they share the love, you know. Yeah, they really did. I mean, the chicken pox parties were a thing, weren't they, of the past? But um, I mean, it's not something that we give in school age. But certainly, yeah. I think it's it's looking at being introduced into the routine schedule. And certainly, there is a small number of children that can become very unwell from yeah. chicken pox, even mm. though it's a very you know it's a it's a routine sort of a childhood disease. So any any time we can prevent a child getting sick, you know, is always a good thing. Yeah. I think. So. When we look at vaccines that are administered in schools or kind of organisations that benefit the overall health and the well-being of individuals in communities, mm. you know, you mentioned that you cover the North East and the West Midlands yeah. and um, North Yorkshire and the Humber. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you organise such a massive feat? Because, I mean, there's not always the centres and people. I mean, mm. it, it must be really difficult. Yeah, I mean, school age immunizations that they are so good and so effective at getting to large numbers of children you know parents can't get to, to gp surgeries to take their children in, in every case it's really difficult to vaccinate large numbers and as you were saying earlier you need to have that 95 percent uptake yeah. to make sure that we have that herd immunity so it is really important that we we do continue to give them in schools and it does take a lot of work you know it's it's it is an incredible amount of organization and we obviously have a huge number of staff who are fantastic and help us, yeah. you know, deliver those those vaccinations. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really important that, that we do that because, can you explain, so if you're at a young age and we get most of our children all vaccinated by mm. all the various vaccines, I've got two quick questions. One, you mentioned yeah. about a double dose. What's the importance of having the double dose for measles? The second dose. Yeah. So it's because you get a certain amount of immunity from the first dose, but not everyone manages to, to do that. We need to make sure that there is that second dose given because it's that second dose that ensures that we have you know 99% effective. We know that if you have the two doses of it, you then have that 99% um, protection against measles. So it's, it's a really good, really effective vaccine yeah. for that reason. Got it. And we also know it's so it's so infectious. The transmission rate of measles is really infectious. So um, we might we talked a lot about the R number during COVID. You probably yes. remember that, well, yeah. and that's the transmission rate. Um, and we wanted to keep it under one at that time. But the R number in measles is over 15 in unvaccinated groups. So in an unvaccinated population, one case of measles can lead to over 50,000 cases in just two weeks. So it's mm. enormously infectious. So what's happening in Birmingham right now is. Can it lead to other cities so very quickly then? Yeah, um, from from what I'm aware of, Birmingham has um, higher levels. It has some of the highest levels in terms of outbreaks. And this is this is what happens. I think you might have referred to it earlier. Our, um, the number of people that have been, um, the number of suspected cases in England and Wales in the last few years has, has gone up considerably. We had sort of 
1,603 cases in 2023, and that went up from 735 in 2022. And Birmingham, as far as, you know, to my knowledge, mm. is experiencing an outbreak. And that's related to the, you know, the, infe- the infectious nature of measles yeah. and the fact that rates have been dwindling, in, uh, yeah. vaccination rates have been dwindling in recent years. I mean, it's so worrying because if you've got lots of children that are not vaccinated and they get ill for various diseases... Mm. It means parents need to stay at home, don't they? And it mm-hmm. kind of affects everybody. I mean, them being able to work, yeah. and the, the the wider context of the family. It's it's, it's yeah. a big issue, right? Yeah, it's not just exactly that. It's not just about you know things about risk to elderly people and young babies. It's it is productivity. It is you know managing your daily life. Measles. I mean, your child has it. It's a it's a week out, more than a week out. It's not just a couple of days with a cold. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it, it does have a knock on effect in other ways as well, for sure. I, 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 just before I let you go, I got this. We talk about better vaccines. I mm. mean, it, would there be like a, a new better MMR vaccine? Would they include things they haven't included already, so children are protected for long term? Um, I mean, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not sure I can comment about that. Certainly the ones we have, we know, are very effective and very Mm. safe. So, you know, I can't can't speak strongly enough about how important it is to make sure that your children are are vaccinated against it. I know it's a, it's, it's a, I know it's difficult as a parent. I have children myself. It's, it's one of those decisions that you make Mm. yourself, but it's a part of being part of a family and a wider community as well. So, so yeah, as I can't speak for what might be on the horizon, um, but you know, certainly um, anything that mm. does come from it, it, it will be uh, of great benefit, yeah. I think, to the community. Yeah, got it. Absolutely. Absolutely, Amanda, it's been a pleasure speaking to you this afternoon. With your, lovely. With your Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Peace be upon you and have a lovely day. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Amanda, Amanda Schiller and uh, giving us some detailed analysis in regards to this as well, some, some, some perspective from a p- p- professional perspective yeah. in regards to this particular topic. As well. and, and I think it's very important that we get speci- special advice on this uh, for the benefit of the listener because, you know, in the beginning of, uh, of her talk, she said that, they, I mean, they are safe. They are safe. And a lot of people are taking them. We're taking them in the hundreds and thousands. Millions of people are taking them uh, here in the UK. So... You know, it's it's something which we can't just let let a TikTok video or some video on social media influence our minds when specialists and doctors, clinical advisors, they're saying you know that uh, we should be doing it. There is this sudden thing that you're finding that uh, where you've got professionals in their field, yeah. all the way from say a doctor to a nurse to a research person or even like a a car mechanic or hmm. or anything, right. There is this thing about actually, I'm going to second guess you. Yeah, you there just is this said thing, this yeah. to me. I'm going to go check out on or your your same. Oh, this is going to cost you X Y Z. Okay, there are some good yeah advantages to asking your mate Google to say, hey, <laughs> you know, is this guy really, or, or even I'm say your Google. mate TikTok <laughs> now, <laughs> it's or even it your is, mate Instagram. Yeah. But the point is, is that it worries me that where we have. Especially in the medical world. Yes. Because if you are in that field, you're a nurse, you're a doctor, you're a research person, you have a lot of empathy, don't you? Hmm. You really want to make a positive impact in people's lives. Hmm. So that's why you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. You're not doing it because you want to make their life worse. Yeah. And exactly. So I think we as a society need to all right, be better informed. 
we need better data, more research. Yeah. But we, we if we're we're calling um one 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 as it is in the U, in the UK for medical advice because you can't get a GP appointment, are you ringing that number to say, No, sorry, I don't believe you? Hmm. you're ringing a number because you need help and how yeah. you can get some exactly. advice exactly. go and see a chemist or you know because you, you're worried about your children you'll do anything wouldn't you if you hmm. saw your child in pain yeah. you would have wished that every vaccine was developed and tested although it was tested on animals uh, when it's been done in a, in a safe in a safe way but actually if it was your child Hmm. that was a stake what would you what what does, how exactly. would you feel exactly what, so yeah. that that's the thing that's the thing isn't it we want we want all of these technologies we want all of these vaccines to progress and like you said we're doing or people do it the, the doctors do it the nurses do it yeah. they want, they're in this profession to actually help out other people yeah that's right i even re- i remember once i was in the hospital for yeah. for a particular reason and um somebody asked one of the doctors that you know do you, do you like do you like your job and the doctor said that you know I love my job I love doing it but I don't get paid it doesn't pay the bills so the reason why I'm saying this is that they despite the fact that there there's been cuts in the NHS despite the fact that there's been money taken out of the NHS used elsewhere that's a that's a whole different topic which we can discuss and we have just talk, spoken about that before but the what I mean to say is that the doctors they want to be they're in that profession because they want to be they want to help out other people and they have they have access to the to, to the information that that is accessible to 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 the professionals it's not something that it's not something that we can sort of just say no i don't believe in you or you know what you're saying is 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 not right and this is what i've heard yeah. from my uncle google or whatever no no because <laughs> it's been around for quite some time but we, you yes. know, we we touched on it when we were talking to amanda because there are all these things that uh diseases are, that can be prevented you know if we are looking after our health and we are taking the vaccines and you know vaccines like for measles and polio and meningitis they will guard us from a variety of other infections because these things mutate don't they and they, and they can develop into something else i think it's really important and then we touched on the public health benefits because if you um take the get the vaccine for your children you know you're not only helping your 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 child you're helping other people in the wider yeah, society exactly and i think the overall health benefits are really important because especially when you get older as well you you're not going to develop because most people i mean i i've i've had shingles but i had chicken pops first when i was very young right but i got chicken pops much later in my life mm. and then i got shingles and shingles mm. doesn't occur in anyone it's just dormant in the body until you get your until, body gets yeah. so much under stress sometimes right. uh, it can be for various reasons and then you your body kind of um, gets really weak hmm. and that's where shingles c- can can occur yeah. so all these things are really important and also the key thing is, is that it improves your long term health outcomes doesn't yeah. it that's the thing yeah because if you like we mentioned with measles that if you had measles and unfortunately you had either became blind or impaired your vision mm. or you lost your hearing so all these things will affect your long-term your ability exactly. to work exactly so it's important so i mean i think what we're saying on on this program is that we support in a way for various reasons the uptake of vaccines but we also recognize 
there are concerns that parents have because we've got examples hmm. of it as well. Hmm. But it gets to a point, I believe, that we need to deal with those, we need to compensate, and we need to find solutions for them. Hmm. It's like everything, isn't it? As researchers develop, they won't get it right first time, but later on, once they get it perfect, then for the future generations, it's solved. Exactly, exactly. It's good that you mentioned that as well because that reminded me hmm. of, a, of a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said that there's not a single disease which doesn't have a cure. But obviously, it's 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 out. We don't have we don't have access to all of the you know all of the all of the medicines for every disease yet. But obviously, there needs to be money put in this industry so that we can advance in this, as we have done so much so in 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 this century as well, the twenty first century. Now let's let's speak to let's speak to our next guest who's on the line with us, Tehseen yeah. Khan. And we're going to be speaking to him because he's he's been a, he's been a London GP since 2013 and clinical advisor on vaccination vaccinations at NHS London as well. Salam alaikum, peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show, Tessin. Welcome, Sam. Uh, it's really good to be on, and uh, thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much for for being with us. Can you just elaborate on how the NHS prepares for and? response to vaccine preventable disease outbreaks yeah so in order to prepare and respond what we firstly invest in is uh, at prevention um, so we know that there are areas specifically in the capital across the capital where uptake is low in vaccination and that can be due to a variety of reasons which i can talk about um, so we are data-driven to try and work out where the pockets of low immunisation rates are, whether that's concentrated in certain geographical areas or certain communities where we need to work harder uh, because we're clearly not serving that population well. Um, and so we work with our communities to try and put into place some additional uh, clinics, for example, to vaccinate people, also to provide more information about vaccination, to use members of the community to talk about vaccination and the importance of them. Mm. Um, but also it's about having the structures in place. So clearly we went through a pandemic, the COVID pan uh, pandemic, and, and that put a lot of strain on our um, uh, NHS. And so we've learned from that. Um, and the key thing is to try and look at capacity amongst staffing in terms of uh, both providing vaccination services but also if there is an outbreak um, and you'll have heard that there has been a measles outbreak recently mm, and is still yeah. ongoing in, in the West Midlands what is it that we need to put in place in terms of stepping up some of those preventative services so vaccinating more children um, but not just providing access but how can we talk to communities to try and increase trust in the vaccination because yeah, clearly yeah. There's something that, that, that sort of, there's, well, there's many things that, that lead to people not coming forward for vaccination. So it's really important to talk to communities, to talk to residents uh, and work out what the concerns are. It's good, that, it's good that you mentioned that as well, because we were speaking a little bit about that. We touched upon that uh, earlier on in the show as well, where there's been outbreaks of, uh, of measles um, in, in, in Birmingham and some other places as well. Now, specifically, can you explain the significance of this then? Of, uh, of the MMR vaccine and why it's recommended for children to, to, to get that vaccine? 
Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, current measles outbreak in Birmingham. So where I work in London, we had a measles outbreak that affected around 400 children back in 2018-19. And we know that rubella is, uh, sorry, we know that measles, um, mumps and rubella, all three of those um, diseases are not minor illnesses. They Mm. can cause serious complications. And anywhere between one to one in four and one to uh, ten um, cases of measles, mumps, and rubella can lead to things like deafness, brain damage, disability. So, what we really want to do is emphasise, you know, the, the risk. Um, and the good news is that, that there's a there's a way to prevent that, and that is to have the vaccination. We know that two doses of the MMR vaccine at 12 months of age and at three years and four months of age is 99% effective in protecting against measles. Um, So it's a really effective way uh, to try and prevent a very serious illness. And um, we all know prevention is better than cure. So we really want to sort of spread that message across um, the capital and beyond. And also to say that actually, if if your child hasn't had their vaccinations and they're late, or you're an adult and you've not had the vaccination mm-hmm. uh, ever in your life, it's never too late to catch up right, uh, and right. contact your GP surgery because actually rates are increasing and we are worried about outbreaks in the, in London. So protecting yourself, protecting your family um, by having the two vaccinations, two doses of the vaccination is a really simple way. They're safe and effective vaccinations. They, they are... Um, you know, they've been proven to be effective. So it's a really way, easy way of, of, of preventing illnesses. And, and as, a, as an adult, if you don't mind me asking, if you wanted to have the vaccine, the MMR, does it cost? No, it's absolutely free um, to have vaccinations. It's part of the routine vaccination schedule, uh, alongside other vaccinations you were mentioning around polio and um, meningitis, etc. So there's a whole host of vaccinations that people can get free on the NHS. And what I would really encourage you to do is to contact your GP surgery, um, and they can tell you what you're missing, a what your uh, immunisation record um, lacks in in terms of which doses you haven't had. Yeah. And secondly, they'll be able to book you in with a practice nurse or practice pharmacist that can then give you that vaccination at no cost. That's really interesting because I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking in their mind that, you know, with the cost of living and uh, can I even really afford to, one, take a time off work, go and get an injection, get a blood test, wait. But actually Mm. the advice from yourself is if you've never had any of these vaccinations, because we've probably had so many people who have come to this country from outside as uh, migrants, they probably in their countries never had these bugs, uh, sorry, these vaccinations. Do, do you think that that is a contributing effect? So we we know that if the vaccination rate isn't high, isn't high enough amongst the population, so for measles actually it's a really high vaccination rate that you need to achieve to protect the population. So 95% of the population need to be vaccinated yeah. to prevent measles. And so 
It's actually in some parts of the capital, um, actually vaccination uptake for measles, uh, measles mumps and rubella is as low as 55%. So um, it's certainly, I think there's enough risk within the UK um, and for someone to become infected and then spread it very, very quickly. Yeah. So with measles in particular, it's very infected. So we look at something called the R value. Some people might remember that from COVID, which looks at how many people on average one person with a disease infects. And in COVID, um, you know, we were worried when R values were two, for example, where one person was infecting two others. Now with measles, if you have measles, you will infect 15 other people. Mm. So it's really easy to spread. And within, you know, days you will have thousands and thousands of cases uh, of measles. So, um, you know, it's not exclusively because of um, people coming from abroad. It, yeah. it is also circulating within the community yeah. in the UK. And and, and is there a, a difference in the uh, type of people that are concerned about taking up the vaccine to other people? Is it a case of education, culture, or is it just feel responsible, just need to do it. And then how do you tackle that? Yeah, so I think there's there's various reasons why people may not come forward. And I think for some people it might be access. So um, if you've got um, a few children, if you're a single parent, uh, trying to get to a clinic might be difficult for you. And there's ways around that. So a lot of clinics do extended hours so in the evening at weekends where it makes it easier for okay. people to come in yeah. um, and also kind of family friendly fairs where you can get vaccinated yeah. we've done quite a few of those and there's some around the capital um, and then there's specific misconceptions around vaccinations that, that this is so particularly with the MMR people are worried about autism yeah. um, and you know this was due to a, a, a really false study in the 1990s by Andrew Wakefield. Yeah, which, I was just looking um, at that now. Yeah, He was struck off, wasn't he, after that? He was, yeah, and it was de de it was taken out of um, the article, the, the journal, yeah. Lancet, that it was published in, because it was bad science. Mm -hmm. um, it, there was, subsequently, there's been tens of studies involving thousands and thousands of children, and there's been no link to autism or any other kind of disability at all with the NMR vaccine. Yes, it can cause side effects. It can cause um, a bit of a fever. It can cause you to feel a bit of flu-like symptoms. It can give you sight reactions on the arm. It can you know, cause a bit of pain there. But there is no evidence of it causing any yeah. sort of long-term complications at all beyond the side effects that we get with all vaccines. So there's often that concern. There's also some parents worry that we're overloading their children with vaccines, too many vaccines in one go. And to that, I say that actually, you know, it's it, children encounter billions of bacteria, viruses and, and bacteria um, in their on their body, in their mouth every day, and their immune system deals with it yeah. and becomes immune to it. So having a, a few vaccines with a few different dead viruses or parts of the, of the virus coat that will then stimulate their immune system yeah. to remember that in the future if they encounter it will not overload their immune system at all. So it's again, it's about talking to patients uh, and parents on a one-to-one -one level, trying to work out what the concern is. Yeah. And then providing information and actually just providing information um, uh, really m my aim 
in a consultation isn't you know to push for vaccinations obviously i would love for people to get vaccinated because it protects them it protects others mm. uh, but beyond that my agenda is to try and reduce some of the misinformation try to arm people with the right information so that they can make the right decision yeah. for themselves and their families that's what Sajir was talking about <laughs> earlier Desin, I want to ask you as well because uh, I want to ask you another question. Uh, some people say, I mean, they have the this misinformation. I think they have this wrong information and they're sort of misguided. They say that we're not going to vaccinate ourselves and we're not going to give our children any vaccines as well. We're just going to eat healthy and live a healthy lifestyle and sort of this thing. A lot of people say this as well and we're going to stay away from these things, these viruses and these what these people want to try to inject us with as well. H- how do you sort of, uh, you know, answer the, those people with these kind of questions? Yeah, I mean, we do sometimes get that from parents where they want a natural, hmm. um, you know, lifestyle. But, I mean, the truth is these, going back to these uh, diseases, they're not simple, you know, kind of, they're not simple diseases like a cold would be. They lead to serious disability and they are circulating in our community. So, you know, it, it's it's interesting that actually those parents, for example, if their child had a serious infection um, and needed antibiotics, they would accept the antibiotic, which is a treatment, but they wouldn't accept a prevention uh, which is um, mm. which is to vaccinate. Right. So the antibiotics are much more likely to cause side effects, reactions, etc. Than, uh, for example, having the vaccination, which has been tried, tested, has been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, it's just not worth taking the risk. Absolutely, have a healthy lifestyle. Um, you know, eat healthily, exercise, um, make sure you drink enough water, don't smoke, don't drink. Um, these are all principles we should all be adhering to, but where there's a technology, where there's a treatment that can help prevent you becoming unwell, mm-hmm. um, then it, it just makes sense to have that, particularly because these aren't minor illnesses. These are potentially life-changing and life-threatening illnesses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Desin Khan, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you this afternoon, getting some good good information uh, from, yeah. from a specialist in, in this field as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Peace be upon you and have a, have a lovely day. Thank you. It was really good to chat to you. Thank you. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant. I think both both of our guests today uh, spoke quite extensively and quite, quite yeah, I mean, detailed I'd, analysis. I'd, exactly. Right. I'd, one of the things that Desin said, which I thought was really good, right. Was that this thing about overloading vaccines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you think, oh, my, you know, you, you've got a baby and yeah. you're 12 months old, it's everything to you, hmm. your whole world around, you've got to inject it and it cries. You think, oh, yeah. can I do that? Then you've got to do another one uh, much later. Yeah. Then you keep doing it. You keep doing what it. is it? What's in that injection? And it, it's hard, right? Yeah. So that's, that was that. really interesting. To, and then to also explain that every time you breathe air, every time you go on the Transport for London Underground, you're sitting on a chair. Probably <laughs> millions of know. people you have sat what, on that chair yeah. who probably had a cough, had a cold, had something. And, and you know, what are you going to catch from yeah. them? As Dogs are coming to, on, animals are coming on there as well. Right. Yes, exactly right. So you think that that's really like... I thought it was brilliant the way he explained yeah. that yeah. was that you're already overloading you're already subjected to 
billions, billions of billions viruses of viruses and whatever and, and then you can't take something that's a preventative but you can take you an can antibiotic take yeah. uh, to, and everything to, will be fine right yeah <laughs> I mean I get the access and the misconception because we spoke about it in fact you spoke about it as well you know that the idea that people get a wrong impression and mm. they don't actually start listening to their doctor so I thought there's a really good conversation yeah. there I think that was really good as well mm. and it's important for like, like I said before it's important that we get specialists and if you talk to specialists as well because if we just talk about it who we don't really have we're not scientists right we're not doctors you might be but I'm not a doctor in this field so if we if we talk about it that's yeah. a layman's response right but if we talk to specialists and get their insight in regards to okay. this practicing so, so sure, I've got a couple of questions for you right because um, obviously we're talking about the vaccines in in childhood and right. the uptake and, and the benefits of it. But actually, this is Voice of Islam. We talk about aspects of religion. We talk about aspects of what's in the Holy Quran and things like that and how we put our trust in God Almighty. There's a lot of that stuff that where people say, right, look, uh, I'm ill, um, but ultimately we believe that God Almighty it's all knowing, all wise, controls absolutely everything. Mm. And it also says in the Holy Quran that uh, in chapter 26, verse 81, it says, and when I'm ill, it is he who restores me to health. Exactly. So exactly. just explain all that to people listening, because we are voice of Islam, right? Yeah. To give the yeah. true meaning of what Islam is all about. It's, 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 it's quite interesting as well, because uh, Allah the Almighty, he says He says that in the Holy Quran as well, that from from the man's perspective that when when i am ill then he is the one who heals me he is the one who gives me gives me that cure as well because at the end of the day allah the almighty has created us and if he has created us he has also created all these other things as well if we talk about the hundreds and thousands and millions and billions of viruses and bacteria that's out there he's also created that because those are living things as well right it's 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 about us living our life to to the best of our abilities the way that we can Allah the Almighty has given us different things which uh, which we can put together and we can make make cures we can make medicines obviously back in back in the days back in the, you know in in early days they they were physicians and with herbal medicines they used to make make medicines through 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 plants and leaves and different things as well and and uh, and fruits and vegetables and these sort of things now it's a little bit more sort of uh, sophisticated in, the, in this regard as well but that doesn't mean that because you know someone else has said that, you know this is this is not a good thing or you can't take this vaccine and we should say oh no we can't t- we can't take that because of xyz and this reason and that reason when it's been proven that that these vaccines have are, are for our longevity for us to be healthy for us to live longer than those people who used to live in a couple of centuries ago, so it's, it's it's up to us to actually come together and realize that if God Almighty has given us this ability to 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 if there is a disease to prevent that in the first place, but also if 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 you get that disease later on and you haven't got and you haven't got the preventatives for that, there's a cure for that as well. So obviously, as we've spoken about before, prevention is better than cure. But Islam reemphasizes the fact that we should prevent something in the first place nip it in the bud but we also have the cure and we should accept that cure as well now talking about talking about the covid-19 right yeah. it was it was a time where when the outbreak was out there a lot of us were thinking oh, you know what are we going to do there's no vaccine for it. this is a new pandemic what are we going to do 
Now, his the, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Masur, may Allah be his helper, he was asked, should we take the new vaccine for the coronavirus that has recently been developed? Yeah. And he said that if if it is proven that it is effective as a cure, and if the government advises to get vaccinated, then you then, then you may take the vaccine. There is no harm in that. But we should also see if there if if there if it is even benefit uh, some people who have taken the vaccine or not. Don't simply just take the vaccine for the sake of taking the vaccine. If it is beneficial, then we should most certainly and surely take the vaccine as well. So if something is proven when we talk about the MMR jabs and various other flu jabs and this and that, when they have been proven from time to time, from decades upon decades, then how are we going to question that? If they've been proven that they do work and they do save lives, they make sure that people live healthy for longer as well, we should be be taking that on board, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think also when you have a situation where in some of the countries around the world, not necessarily in this country, yeah, people were just dying on the street. Yeah, literally exactly, walking literally, out of their house, exactly. contracting the COVID, hmm. and they were dying. Yeah. There was pandemic, a world pandemic. So what, what do you do? Obviously, people are worried. Obviously. So you had a choice to, to take, right? We, we got the vaccines hmm. in this country. We were very lucky. Around Europe, we had them, and around other places, eventually it came. Yeah. But they prevented us from having those symptoms of COVID. Today, right. yeah. now, people get COVID, they ring up the doctor, they're not feeling very well. It's like having a flu now. Hmm. You can cope with the flu, yeah. but you're not going to die. Yeah. So does that mean it was right to have taken the vaccine because it's proved, but you took a chance? Hmm. Because if you don't follow, you create chaos. Also, one yeah. thing that we've been asked to do is to not create chaos not in create society. Not create chaos, exactly. exactly. So there's lots of, lots of reasons about it so you know you did explain that god almighty has the power can fix everything is is it like so god says right be solved or that illness go hmm. or is it part of that you in, encourage researchers doctors given the, the the intellect to go and develop these things yeah. is it a combination of both how, how does that all work now the, the you know the, the promised messiah upon whom be peace the the founder of the ahmadiyya muslim community he has told us something which is which is very beautiful. Mm. <laughs> he says that if you just pray and if you just say that you know I'm I'm just going to pray and uh, and that's I'm not going to do anything physical. I'm not going to try and do anything myself. Mm. Then that is sort of you you're sort of in a way you're testing God. And that is something that we are discouraged to do. We do believe, of course we all believe that God Almighty is all powerful and we he can do anything that he wants before even a second passes but we are also told by the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him to tie the camel what does that mean that means that before we do anything do your own effort try to do something yourself obviously get specialists together and get the doctors together scientists together develop something but also have that trust in god almighty as well it's not just about it's not just about praying to god almighty or it's not just about developing something it's a combination of both and the reason why I say that also is because the the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, upon yeah. whom be peace, may Allah be his helper, he has also said that when to the to the doctors, because there was a there was a meeting of doctors um meeting his holiness, meeting uh and 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 the advice that he gave to those doctors is that when you prescribe any sort of medicine, 
write huwa shafi on top of that prescription and huwa shafi is an arabic phrase it means he is the one he is the curer he is the one who provides you with the cure mm. so don't think that oh this person is ill because of this particular thing and i'm going to give this medicine to that person and that prescription is going to fix him that prescription is not going is not going to fix him unless god almighty wills so if allah the almighty has put has given the cure in that particular me- medicine then that would cure that person but if you just say it that you know i'm a i'm just going to give a prescription to that person and then that that's it, it we as believers as muslims right we're told that we need to do our own effort as well but also we need to pray to god almighty as well because if we do one and not the other doesn't matter which one so if we do one without the other then then we we're not we're not doing it properly we're not trying we're not doing our own effort properly so we need to combine both of the things so as Muslims, good that you mentioned that. we believe that and that's what the the holy quran explains and through mm. the teachings of our beloved holy prophet muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him so, but there yes. are many people yeah. who actually don't believe they that don't concept believe in that. but yeah. they still get cured that's good as well now, yeah. that's good what question. is that is that god's mercy that's good that's a good question that's a good question because the thing is is that at the end of the day at the, if you look at the bigger picture mm. right if we look at the bigger picture the bigger picture is is that we have been created by god almighty right and the way that we have been created allah the almighty says in the holy quran that we have been created for so that we can worship him so that we realize that there is a supreme being and we we worship him we obey him now if we do everything according in accordance to what he says we also believe in the afterlife which other people don't we 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 believe that if we live our life according to what he tells us to do then in the afterlife which is the actual life for us that's what we believe yeah that's the bigger picture that i want to get to and if we believe in the afterlife we believe that that is going to be secured then but those people you know you can say that atheists there's atheist do- doctors as well there's atheist patients and all of that they they prescribe that's medicines right. and they get killed as well which is yeah. which is absolutely true but if they don't have the faith in this world then allah the almighty can do whatever he wants <laughs> with them in the hereafter yeah. and that is the bigger picture got it and and obviously god is most merciful most, exactly as well. exactly 100%, yeah. 100%. so it's it's a re- it's a it's a concept and that or and a teaching that we understand and mm. reflect upon that gives us the way we approach things exactly so we exactly. talked about vaccines didn't we at the beginning for children yeah because although the vaccine has been developed by scientists that were given the knowledge and the ability to make humanity feel better yeah it's one of those things that we feel then it should be good for us yeah right yeah. and if we take it with that intention then we we kind of cured right so yeah. so it's a philosophy behind it's it a philosophy which is probably it. another another hour show which we could do on another day but it's just a glimpse of how islam makes us understand these things yeah exactly that's the thing it's our uh, the way that we perceive these different things as well. obviously we eat and drink other people eat and drink as well yeah. but the sun shines on all of us it's not just that the sun only shines on us muslims the sun shines on all of us as well as you mentioned god almighty is the most merciful and that is one of his biggest sort of uh, sort of sort of uh, qualities right that's one of his biggest attributes mm-hmm. and we believe that allah the almighty is there for for all of us mm-hmm. so the way that we live our life is in accordance to what god almighty tells us to do and with that we we hope and pray so that in the next life which is our actual life 
he we can secure a place in that as well. Mm. But like you said, maybe he, more information on a different show. But do join us after the break where we go on to our next topic. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. In this part of the show, we're talking about the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And as you know, during the course of this week, we are doing a, a, a whole series of the Holy Prophet the, or the life and character of the blessed life and character of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Today, we're talking about the persecution which was which the Muslims actually underwent in, in Mecca yeah. and how that sort of led to the migration from Mecca to Medina as well. We're talking about the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and how Islam was spread uh, tomorrow, also his kind treatment throughout the later the latter part of the, the week as well, and of, of course the return to back to Mecca or the conquest of Mecca as well. So mm. these are some aspects of the life and character of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that we're going to be talking about, but today we're talking about the persecution yeah. particularly yeah because I, I think that's that's the key thing because if you're going to be talking about this whole journey yeah. um and understanding it it's such a beautiful story and not sorry it a is. beautiful it is, description of what actually happened yeah. and how the challenges that people went through mm. and how at the end they were victorious and why we why you can catch the parts of the show later mm. on in the week but you're right this yeah. bit, what we're talking about, is the humble beginnings. Yeah, humble the beginnings, beginnings yeah, exactly. when the situation about a brand new religion that was coming in an environment that practiced ideology, yeah. you Literally. name it. You name it, you name it. Polytheism, <laughs> didn't believe in didn't a spiritual in being. Spirit. Yeah. And it's how that came about, right? It's like it's it's interesting. It's yeah, and it's very thought provoking. Because we all go through difficult times, don't we, in our life? Yeah, and and I'm do. sure you, you've been um, a missionary and many people come and talk to you about yeah. examples of, in their life where they have managed to come through at the other end but yeah. didn't think yeah. that there was um, a way through. Yeah. But they put their trust in God Almighty. They did, like you said in the first part of the show, you've got to do both. You gotta do both, right? Yeah, yeah you gotta and do then both. You, and then at the end you come out and you see the light at the end of the light tunnel. Light at the end of the tunnel, exactly, exactly that. And it's kind of a glimpse into that over thirteen, fourteen years of that persecution when he, when our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad and his companions had had to hmm. had to leave. But just before we get into that, I wanted to just ask you a question. But you know, when prophets come, we believe that. Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was a, a, uh, was a, a prophet of God Almighty. Mm. And he went through all this persecution. Yes. Is that similar then to other prophets as well that have come? Do they go through similar sort of persecution? Yes, yeah, it's, it's good that you mentioned that as well because it's not uh, sort of exclusive to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that he, it was only him that he faced persecution. If you look at all prophets, they all face persecution as well. Because Allah the Almighty states in the Holy Quran in chapter 23, uh, 20, uh, 36, sorry, hmm. verse 31, there comes not a messenger to them, but they mock at him. So we can understand that if we look at, if we look at the earlier prophets, yeah. such as Prophet Noah, for example, 
he when he came when he came and delivered the message that he is a prophet there's only one god believe in him listen to me because i am a prophet i told you what god almighty told us wants us to do mm-hmm. they said no they rejected him they mocked at him they 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 laughed at him even his own son didn't accept him as all well. and what happened what happened then what happened was was that you know he was commanded by god almighty to make an ark and you know him uh, his wife and those people who believed they traveled they made an ark and they 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 set they set uh, across the ocean because there was a big flood there was a big flood in that in that particular region as well now the people that didn't believe they they were they were destroyed the same thing happened to other prophets if you look at prophet moses hmm. look at you know look how big and high and mighty pharaoh was but at the end what what happened to him he drowned Moses and his people prophet Moses upon whom upon whom be peace him and his people they they went through uh, the river yeah. but you look at pharaoh and his uh, and his army they 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 all drowned it's the same thing if you look at prophet abraham uh, upon whom be peace his the people who opposed him yeah. they they all suffered a, a terrible loss as well yeah. but we from this we can understand that all prophets they when they come they have persecution they have or they get persecuted their their followers get persecuted they they get ridiculed they get mocked at they they get shouted at they even have to lay down their lives yeah as sometimes as well but it is always that those prophets those messengers they always they always triumph right at, at the end mm. it's never that them or their mission dies out it's not like that but they always succeed at the end yeah. and the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him he is the one who and his and, and and his followers the muslims the companions they suffered the most sort of brutal stuff uh, persecution as well I mean, we'll talk a little bit about yeah. it later on as well during yeah. the course of the show but at the end as you mentioned when they came back uh, to to conquer mecca and the whole of arabia at large as well it it, it was something which was sort of unma- unimaginable in the in the beginning in the humble beginnings exactly right. and when you mentioned yeah. the humble beginnings and yeah. if you look at the very very early stages of our holy prophet muhammad may peace and blessings be upon him yes. before he even knew that he was the prophet yeah. uh, the the chosen one by god almighty in his humble beginnings um he he was born obviously in mecca most yeah. of the people know that in 570 ad and then prophet muhammad's may peace and blessings of allah be upon him his father abdullah he mm. died just a few months before his birth that in itself mm. not knowing your father you imagine yourself for two months what what would you remember yeah. of your father Literally. maybe a smell maybe some sort of hug we don't know but maybe mm. there was something but still that's a big loss in one's life loss, yeah and then soon after that when he was just 6 years old his mother passed away has an amina so again after all of that mentioned losing your father then losing your mother at a very young age at the age of 6 and then you know by the grace of allah then he was looked after by his uncle abu talib who was there hmm. for him throughout his even even before stages. even before his uh, his his, un- his, yeah. his uncle his his grandfather took took care of him as well was abdul muttalib that's right yes but then he died as well so like, like, like you're quite right what you're saying that he was literally an orphan he was an orphan child 
and you know his dad passed away his mother passed away his grandfather passed away at a very very young age and then who took care of him his uncle just like you mentioned Abu Talib yeah now obviously going through that whole process is 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 it's a sort of torture isn't it of for a child for, to, to go through that and you can quite easily have um, a chip on your shoulder yeah yeah and make it be your excuse make it be your excuse yeah to say not my fault not my it's fault your yeah. fault and and obviously imagine that at that time of the way society was exactly. as well exactly. we have described this um era of being one of the most challenging hmm. despicable yeah, abhorrent was. you name it and we've discussed this on on voice of islam radio yeah. many times and at that age he survived hmm. and he was a noble individual yeah. and he loved everybody he yeah. had no complaint in his life exactly exactly so at that age and i wanted to ask you this as well when you have someone at that age of say 6 year old or even having all the challenges before then mm. who I, i is is god almighty already at that stage chosen the, yeah. the holy prophet muhammad may peace and blessings be upon him was there something about that there and then yeah i mean it's it's, it's quite impo- it's quite interesting as well because there was a, there, there there was a an incident yeah. of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him when he was young and he was with uh, his his foster mother at that time uh and it so happened that he, his foster mother was uh, halima her name was halima she saw maybe it was a vision or maybe it was uh, you know some, some something that she saw in in a dream or whatever but she saw that the there was an angel who came when he was quite young very young a child right he came and he sort of he cut his he cut his chest open he cleaned all of it and then he put it back together and that was you know the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him an incident that happened to him so with this we say that he was pure since he was since he was born he was a pure being he was the most pure and the the revolution which he brought about in the world not just in arabia not just in that region yeah. in arabia the whole world is something which is quite remarkable as well and there's another saying of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him that god almighty if it hadn't been for the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him if it if allah the almighty didn't want him to be born if he wasn't going to send him or send him to the earth he would not have created the heavens and the earth so yeah. the whole reason why the heavens and the earth have been created is for is for him so we can say that of course he wasn't a prophet which was commissioned when he was born obviously that happened when he was 40 years old right when 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 angel the archangel gabriel came and gave him the message of the holy quran and all of that but be, even before that before he was commissioned as a prophet there was you know the the, the arabs at that time they used to call him sadiq and amin sadiq yeah. being the most truthful person yeah. and amin being the most trustworthy person as well yeah. and it's quite you mentioned in the beginning as well which was quite interesting that the arabs at that time they were so backwards and they were so they were they were involved in vice in sin transgression they used to drink five times a day and they used to be proud how drunk they used to be Correct. gamble yes. and all, you name it right that in the the neighboring sort of 
dynasties or the kingdoms such as the Persians, the Romans, all these other people, they used to look down upon the Arabs. They used to look at, look at these illiterate people. Forget them. Forget these guys. We're going to crush them. These guys are nothing. These people are nothing. But it's, it's, it's quite interesting because the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmood Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him. He, he actually, once he was narrating this incident as well, and he said that the, you, the doctor prescribes a medicine according to the illness. Yeah. So if there's a small illness, the doctor will prescribe a small sort of medicine. If there's a big illness, such as cancer or whatever, you have to go through chemotherapy and a stronger dose of medicine. The same thing when it comes to spiritual illnesses as well. So those people in, in Arabia, spiritually, they were so backwards. They were literally nothing. So when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, came, he not only lifted them from that sort of, I mean, Allah the Almighty describes it in the Holy Quran as those people were, were like the cattle. All they did was wake up, eat, drink, have children and go back to sleep. That's it, literally. Mm. That was their whole life. But the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he lifted them from that stage yeah. onto, onto, he gave them morals, he gave them a code of yeah. conduct. Yeah. Not just that, he lifted them to a spiritual stage. Yeah. And from that, he, he made them or established a connection to them and God Almighty yeah. as well. And it's, that was what they were jealous of, the yeah. Arabs. Exactly right, yeah. So so why is it that these people are suddenly becoming yeah. very nice, decent people and upstanding yeah. individuals? And <laughs> exactly. Actually, I want to go and have a fight with them. But no, they're not interested. I, I want to go and antagonize yeah, them. I want exactly. Them, well, who, 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 why have made this change? Because, you know, you talk about that um, ointment. Mm. I think it's a lovely, mm. uh, the way you've described it. Mm. But, and it was the perfect. It was Because <laughs> it says in the Holy Quran, in chapter 30, verse 42 of the Holy Quran, right. it says yeah. that... Corruption has appeared on the land and sea. And I think that is that where it's describing what you mentioned earlier about the yeah. Arab world. And actually, also, wasn't just necessarily how bad the Arab world was, hmm. yeah. although they were as, as a society. But this corruption, because it's land and sea, was happening all over the world. Hmm. Because is that also why we consider Islam to be a religion for all of the world in a way? Then? Yeah, we, we, of, of course we do. We, we say that. Because the because different prophets, right? They they were sent to a particular place, a particular land, a particular yeah. place, a particular time. But there, every single prophet had a particular time, whether it was ten years, whether it was a hundred years, whether it was a thousand years, right? But the holy prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when he came, he was sent to the whole of mankind until the end of time, mm. as well. And w- this verse that you mentioned, that corruption has appeared on the land and the sea. We can talk about this in a in a physical aspect as well, but on a on a metaphorical aspect, yeah. we we can understand that the the land is basically dry and the sea is uh, obviously is wet. So what we can understand or interpret from this verse is that corruption is in land, such as those people who don't have any sort of religion or no affiliation to religion, and the sea being those people who who have an affiliation to a particular religion, who call themselves religious. But corruption is in both. So corruption is in religious people and also in non-religious people. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, came to to, to fix both of the problems. Yeah, and, it, and you know, it, one thing that, that you mentioned as well is that those people who were living in Arabia, they were idol worshippers. They used to make statues and idols and all these different things from wood and clay and 
mud and whatever, right? Whatever. Bricks. They used to make it and they used to pray to those things. And in the Kaaba, right now, we can't even imagine that. But in the Kaaba, you know, the, the holy the holy mosque in, yeah, in the Mecca. Big, the, the black box the that black, everyone walks yeah, around and people see on, on TV. Exactly. They see all that. That's the, that's that's the, the Kaaba. Yeah. Okay. That, inside that was about well, 360 yeah. idols and what have you, right? In those days. And when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings Allah be upon him, came and he was commissioned, he said that, you know, these idols are nothing. It's, they, they, they can't do you any harm. They can't do you any good. Mm-hmm. These, pe- these things are, are, are made by yourselves. How can, you, how can you make a god? How can you worship or prostrate before something that you've made yourself, right? So this is the concept that he gave. He said that there's only one god, mm-hmm. and that was the one thing that annoyed them the most. But it's interesting as well because the Arabs in those days, they also used to call themselves the children of uh, of, Ab- of Abraham, Prophet Abraham. They recognized that they are the children of Abraham because uh, Prophet Abraham had two children, as we, as we know, the older son being uh, Prophet Ismail, yes. the younger being Prophet uh, Ishaq, uh, Prophet Isaac. Now, Ismail, Prophet Abraham, sent his wife and uh, Prophet Ismail to, to Arabia under divine uh, instruction as well. So they attribute themselves to being the children of Ismail and Abraham as well, which were prophets. But it's interesting because the prophet who was going to revive everything was going to come from him. And when he came, they didn't accept, apart from you know the people that yeah. did. But that's that's one of the it's reasons a, why they were really persecuted. It's a really interesting concept because obviously Abraham believed in, in didn't believe in idols. Of course, <laughs> he was the one who broke them. <laughs> and there's a whole story about it. There's a whole yeah. And so so reason why we're having this long convoluted discussion about how things were because there is a reason why the persecution started yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Mecca, right? Because. For the first three years after the announcement and the preaching um, yes. went on, all this persecution just intensified, didn't it? It Massively. intensified, yeah. yeah. Because if you understand in the beginning, the, it was as if the Muslim, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he, when he conveyed the message, he conveyed it to, 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 to a number of people, mm. a handful of people. Mm. And only a handful of people accepted him as well. And what they did was that they used to come together in a particular place, and it's called Dari Arkham. It was called the House of Arkham, and they used to come over there, and they used to pray over there, and and they used to, you know, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, used to preach to those people, tell them what Islam is all about, and then they, you know, some of the companions were very strong in their faith. Some of them used to think that, uh, you know, maybe we need to come out a little bit more yeah. and preach the message a little bit more and so when they sort of started to preach the message a little bit outside and go to other people and uh, preach the message that is when a lot of the persecuted uh, persecution started and there's a very interesting uh, narration as well which I, which I just remembered yeah. there was a companion called Abu Zar Abu Zar Ghafari may, may Allah be pleased with him now he's one of the early companions and what happened was was that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was preaching Islam to, to, to the Meccans. And uh, after a few sort of meetings and discussions, he accepted. He, he, you know, he, was a, he was a young man and he accepted Islam. But he was from the tribe of Ghaffar. 
So Abu Zarqafari, Ghafari being one, the, the tribe that he he belonged to. Now, when he 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 knew that his tribe was such a sort of uh, like a staunch enemy of Islam, right? They used to persecute the Muslims at that time. So he requested that, oh Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. I have accepted Islam with my with my heart. I have accepted Islam, but can I keep my Islam a little bit hidden from from from, from sure, especially my tribe? Would, and as a young as a young exactly, person. you don't want to put yourself in arms way, which is quite reasonable, right? It's quite reasonable. If you know that you if you say, if you do something, you're going to mm. say something, you're going to get attacked. Then, you know, just accept it, but don't just, just don't tell them. So the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said, okay, that's fine. You can. You've accepted Islam, which is wonderful, which is great. Um, that's fine. You can keep it hidden. So what happened was was that I mean, it's it's narrated in different sayings and traditions that after a few days and after a few meetings, upon meeting the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, on occasion or after an occasion and after different meetings, he was so influenced and he was so awestruck that. He actually went to his tribe, and then he went to the 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 the, the chiefs of Mecca as well, right outside the Kaaba. Mm. And he went there and he said that Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. That I bear witness that there is no god except for Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is his messenger. Now, what happened? What happened after that is quite interesting. That because he was. He he couldn't c- contain himself. He wanted to, you know, say that you know I'm a Muslim. What are you gonna do? So what happened was was that they got so angry that they hit him, they mocked him, yeah. and they hit him so much that it said in, in narrations that he he that he was unconscious. Now it's interesting as well because uh, Abbas, who was the uncle of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, he hadn't yet accepted Islam at that time. Later on, he accepted, but at that time he didn't accept. And he said to those people who hit him and. And and uh, and uh, ridiculed him. He said that don't do anything to him because he's from a good tribe. He's from the Ghafar tribe. And if you hit him, then you know your trade is going to stop. How are you going to do an import and export? Your trade is going to stop. So he so he saved him that day. But then the next day he did the same thing because you know once those companions they had so much love for the Holy Prophet. Yeah, like a love you. Literally, they flicked and then they flicked. can't and help themselves. They literally yeah. can't help yeah. themselves, yeah. and they, 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 they he literally did the same thing, and the same thing happened again. And this only happened because they loved Islam, they loved sure. the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Yeah. And they, a lot of those uh, early early companions, the companions that came after as well, but a lot of the early companions, the ones that lived in Mecca. They displayed such, such strong will and that willingness, that steadfastness, that you know they went they went through persecution just for just for the pleasure of God Almighty, yeah. and that's quite beautiful. It's a lovely story, or yeah. it's not a story, but uh, the uh, incident, uh, the incident that you've described there, <laughs> and how people and we we know so much about Hazrat Bilal as yeah, well, his course, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are so many that we yeah. could go on and on. But yeah, I the, wish we had more time. You know, no, but the point is, is that the persecution was so mm. severe that his beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked those that had already accepted Islam to migrate right to, yeah. to go somewhere yeah. else yeah. for their own for their own protection but but even before that happened 
they had to live outside of Mecca, didn't they? For mm. three years, they were like treated not just second-class citizens; they were treated like animals, as if they were cattle, mm. and they had to live outside. And they didn't even have any, no access to water, mm. no access to food. They were boycotted, didn't they? That they way, were completely yeah. as a society. Mm. They were boycotted. You're right, mm. and where they've been left alone to fend for themselves. And there are so many incidences where people describe that they were kind of so hungry. Yeah, they literally didn't even know what to do but yeah, they believed yeah, yeah. in God Almighty and and I remember this and you might be able to correct me but I remember there was a companion yeah. that was so hungry and he didn't know what to do the sun was scorching scorching yeah. and he just put his hand down yeah, yeah, on yeah. the ground yeah, yeah, yeah. and he felt something that was kind of moist he didn't know what it was a bit soft and a bit moist soft yeah. and moist so he just Picked it up and, and and put it in his mouth. Yeah, that that's the severity of the. Yeah, yeah. and 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 this, so it was because of those situations where the persecution was so severe that all those those people who had accepted Islam, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked them to to migrate. Right. Mm, yeah. I mean, exactly, exactly, and you've described it pretty pretty well as well. And that was the severity of the persecution that the Muslims that were actually were actually facing. And it's interesting as well because when at that time of, uh, you know, when the Muslims were getting boycotted yes. and they were getting cut off the society, his uncle, Abu Talib, he actually came and he sat, he sat the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him down. And he said that, you know, I, he is, he said that I am a, I, I, I am one of the chiefs of Mecca because, you know, the, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, tribe, the, the family that he belonged to, they were actually the the leaders of, of Mecca, right? So his uncle, being one of the leaders, he said that, you know, we, they're happy. I mean, he didn't say anything bad. He didn't persecute the Holy Prophet in any way because he was the one who looked after him. Of course, after. he was in his custody in exactly, that way, wasn't exactly. So he said that, you know, the, the, other, the other leaders, they're saying that, Fine, we 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 can accept the fact that you, you you can call yourself a prophet. We don't have a prophet problem with that. The only problem that we do have is that don't say anything to our idols, and don't say anything bad about that. But the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that you know if God Almighty has said something to me, how am I, how am I the one who's going to keep that away? If He has told me that there's only one God and these idols are nothing. They, they, they can't, like I said, they can't do you any harm. They can't do you any good at the same time. They're nothing. You, you can't pray to them. How are you going to pray to something that you've created yourself? But he, then he says something the, this is, which is quite beautiful as well. He said that even if you put the sun on my right hand and the moon on my left hand, I'm still not going to. And if you give me all of the treasures of the world, if you provide me with women, if you provide me with the money, provide me with wealth, if you make me the leader of Mecca, I'm still not going to, you know, stop whatever I'm doing. I'm still going to preach this message as well. So then, you know, <laughs> that's I lovely. Mean, yeah, and <coughs> excuse me, and and that is an, an example, right? That he demonstrated that the people who followed him mm. also showed yeah, those type yeah. of qualities, willing exactly. to take a beating for what they believed for in. What they believed you know, in. I, we talked about them that they they migrated. It's another whole story as well. I mean, when yeah, they went to got, Abyssinia yeah. and when yeah, then yeah, they yeah. were pursued, <clears throat> and then 
And then, then what you described about this, this there was a, that was the first delegation, right, that came and said to to his uncle, Abu Dalim, look, can you, come on, just can yeah. you ask him to hold back yeah. a bit? But that wasn't the only time. They went again, didn't they, quite a number of times, to, just yeah. to try and convince him that, look, mm. please, we need him to hold back because now people are accepting now this accept religion and, and we can't stop it. We can't we control can't it. it. Exactly. So the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, like you mentioned, he instructed those companions which which could afford it to migrate to a different place, which is called uh, Abyssinia. Yeah. Um, at that time, Habsha in, in, in Arabic. So in Abyssinia, which is I think modern day Ethiopia, and he he told the companions to go over there as well. But like you mentioned, when they went there, some of the some of the Quraysh, the people in Mecca, they they couldn't take it. They were so jealous that they followed them as well, and they even went to the king at that time, yes. Najashi, and they said to him that look at these look at these people, look at these Muslims. They 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 want to spread Islam in your country as well. They want to do this. They want to do that, and they even they they were so clever in their way. They said that, oh, they say this and this about your prophet, about your God. And they say that he's not even a God, he is a prophet about Jesus. And so they tried to sort of instigate hatred mm. for the Muslims against against the king, right? So the king was a, he was a just king and he was a he was a, he was a noble he was a noble king. And he called the Muslims and he called the, the Quraysh as well and he had a meeting with them, he had a sitting with them as well, and they had an audience with the king. And he asked them that what 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 is your religion? What do you believe in? And what do you think of uh, of of our God, which is which is Jesus? That's because right. he believed in at that, that time. They at had, that time, yeah. So they so the Muslims they whatever was revealed in the Holy Quran at that time about God Almighty, mm. about Jesus, and about all of this, they narrated to it. And he said that it's quite beautiful as well. He said that whatever these people are saying, that is what I believe in as well. Not a single thing is extra and not a single thing is, is is wrong so I believe in the same thing as well I don't have a problem with these people they can live here and live peacefully as well so those people the, the, those Meccans who came and tried to pursue them and tried to bring them back yeah. they, they they were sort of dumbfounded they sanctuary they, yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah, I mean, it's really interesting that at every step after severe persecution mm. when a decision was made God Almighty helped them and kept them safe. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there was so much, and every time the the chieftains went to his uncle Abu Dalib and yeah, said, yeah. "Look, can you please, <laughs> can you please ask your nephew on him, yeah. to to refrain from it?" But like you gave an example, he wouldn't do it. And that beautiful oh, example yeah. you said of yeah. the uh, moon in my right and the sun in the right, I can't which yeah. way around yeah, it was yeah. sun in the right, moon in the left, yeah. in the moon in the left, and. Um, Nothing. I'm not going to change the way I am. Yeah, I'm not going to change the. And yeah. then they also did it again, didn't they? They they, they again, went yeah. again to the point to um, as a second delegation to obviously mm. again try it, and they got everyone together and they mm. said like, "Come on, uh, Abu Dalib, we really need this to be to to be solved, and that he cannot exhibit the slightest discontent." And and there was something he said um, to to him, and this is I'm just going to read it read it here. He said, "This is not." abusive language this is the truth asserted upon its correct place mm. and it's for this purpose that I have been commissioned that I may show them their evils and invite them towards the right path if I must die in this cause I'm 
delightedly accept my fate. Mm. My life is devoted in this cause, and I shall not abstain from the expression of the truth by fear of death. O oh, uncle, if you are worried on the account of your weakness and mm. distress, then by all means relinquish your protection of me. I shall never refrain from conveying of the divine injunctions. By God, if these people put this, like you said, here, this mm. is the the yeah. sun um, in <clears throat> in on my hand and the moon upon the other, yeah. and even then I should not refrain from the fulfilment and the responsibilities, and I should continue my work until God completes it, or I die in this endeavor. Yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, there's first, the second, then there's a third time they they came again after that, and this mm. time when the Quraysh failed, they hatched another plan, and then they went to Abdallah belong with the promising of a young man belonging to a noble family of the Quraysh named him Amara bin. Walid and and then Abu Talib responded by Allah I am not being dealt with in uh, with justice and O Mutim and the espousal of your people I see that you are prepared to act profitiously towards me Hmm. if it is you who has changed his conduct towards me then what can I say you may do as you wish so there were so many yeah, occasions, so many occasions where tried, everyone yeah. ganged literally, up. Literally. This is what it is, isn't it? It's like you being in a in a local town or whatever. Yeah, everybody gets together, and they all come and oppose you. Yeah, so you feel so isolated, and it's like once, twice, third time, and it never stopped. It never stopped. It never stopped. It's never stopped. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he always used to give this answer. He always used to give this that doesn't matter what you give me. I'm not going to. I'm not going to refrain from whatever God Almighty has instructed me to do. Now, there was another very beautiful incident yeah. as well where the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, where he thought that let's because Islam is not just for Arabia and it's not just for Mecca; it's for the whole world, right? So he wanted to preach Islam to a different city, go out to a different city yeah. and preach there as well, which is called Taif. And and uh, our listener might might know about this as well. But uh, he went there, and uh, he went he went and met the people over there, the leaders over there as well. And he preached them the message of Islam. Instead of listening to him and giving him paying any respect to him as well, yeah. they 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 did the same thing. They they ridiculed him. Mocked him. They mocked him. Mm. They even got the the fanatics, the vagabonds. And sort of the the ill people, the ill children, and the youngsters, to 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 run at him, throw stones at him. It's said in narrations that he was th- he th- um, stones were thrown at at him. Dogs came and bat yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and they were saying in narrations that there was blood from his head <laughs> to his toe, yeah. and it wasn't stopped bleeding, and, stop and bleeding. he escaped, and he was had a companion with him as mm. well. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's like it's like you mentioned. It's it was as if it said in narrations that even his the shoes that he was wearing or the sandals that he was wearing it was covered in it was covered in in, in blood. blood yeah. And when he finally got out of the city, imagine you know running for so long. I don't know how many miles it must have been. He ran for that for that much, and he at last he came out and he went out of the city and he went to a, to a vineyard and he rested over there as well. So the owner of the of the vineyard. He came and he said to his uh, attendant, he said to his his uh, his servant that, come and give this person some refreshments. Let's speak to him and let's give him some refreshments. So, 
the what I want to say is that the what did the Holy Prophet peace and best of Allah be upon him do then was that if we just imagine ourselves if we have literally if we have ran so much for so long and it's not just about running it's running for your life because people are chasing you that's right and not just chasing you they're throwing stones at you and there were children dogs. at the yeah, same children. time children they were children as well so obviously they have their own yeah, yeah. exactly dogs are coming to yeah. attack you all of these things all of these things are happening and finally you get some place to rest somebody gives you refreshments obviously you're going to take the refreshments but look at the example of the holy prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him when he was offered the refreshments the first thing he did was to preach to that person and to preach the oneness of God almighty to him and then he after that then he took the refreshments also well. with this it's a, it's a very it's a it's a very beautiful example yeah. that how much conviction he had yeah. and how much love he had for Allah the almighty yeah. even you know the arabs at that time they said that this person muhammad peace and best of Allah be upon him is as if he is in love with his god yeah. and uh, it, it was exactly that it was and, exactly that and there's there's some other stuff you might be able to correct yeah. me as well because mm. you know when he talked about he's in love with with his god and mm. in love. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there was also a, a, a narration and correct me if i'm wrong that at that time when he managed to escape the stone throwing and the mm. animals um angel gabriel came <clears throat> to him at that time. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, Angel Gabriel said to him, God has said to me, because the town was between two mountains. Dude, yeah, it was like and, a valley. In, in, the, in the valley. Yeah. And um, Angel Gabriel said to him that, if you so wish, the way these people that have treated, treated you, you yeah. and you've got a complete blood all over you, Literally. I will, and I can, I can crush these and bring the two mountains or the valley in and destroy, and destroy them and get them, wipe them out. And you know the answer yeah, that he yeah, gave. Yeah. And this is exactly another example of what you said. He didn't just have love for God Almighty, but he had love for the whole of for mankind. The whole of mankind as well, and he said, "This way, you can correct me if I'm right." But he said. No, I don't want that to happen because although mm. these people have not accepted yeah. God Almighty's message, but their children and their future generations will accept the message. Accept so it. please don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Quite, I mean, exactly how you said it as well. And it's so beautiful, isn't it? That imagine if somebody hits you, right? The, obviously, you would want to get some retaliation, yeah. right? But these people persecuted him so much that he was bleeding from top to bottom and he was literally... He was, he, he, I mean, he was beat. I mean, look at, look at the condition. You can't even imagine the condition he was in. And it's very easy to get frustrated and say, get angry at that time and say, you know what? Yeah, yeah, destroy them. But he said no. That love that he was able to demonstrate yeah. and show is, there are many examples, but that is one example. And also the example you gave about when mm. he arrived at that vineyard as well. And at that moment when... It just shows you that the reason why people who were persecuted so severely that they still show their commitment and their true love to to our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah yeah. be upon him. Now with that, let's let's speak to our guest yeah. who's on the line with us, Ayaz Mahmoud Khan, who is a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, working in the Central Department for Publications. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the show. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah. Thank you for having me. Jazakallah for for for, yeah, for being here with us. Fantastic. Just to begin with, I mean, we've spoken about different aspects of the of the life and character of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and how the Muslims were persecuted. 
We're talking about when that particular time in Mecca, when the Muslims were boycotted. Tell us, can you just tell us the impact of that? And also nowadays where Muslims are boycotting different brands and products and these things. How is there a link to that? Is that rightful or... Can you shed some light in regards to that? Well, I'm not sure if the two have a, a comparison as such because um, the case of the Holy Prophet wasallam and his community when they were boycotted was completely different to what we are seeing now in this day and age. Um, on the one hand, you had the disbelievers of Mecca who were persecuting the Muslims, a community uh, that brought a message of peace and love and harmony for the whole of society. And... Uh, the people of Mecca were persecuting them, were uh, dragging them in the streets and brutally murdering people. Um, and these were the th- this boycott was basically, uh, in a way, um, an increased. It was the culmination of all of their efforts. They said, if nothing else works, and if these Muslims do not desist from uh, spreading their message of peace, then we'll just put them in a situation where they won't have any food, they won't have any water, they won't be able to buy any goods or do business with anybody, and that's essentially w- what happened. Hmm. Um, w- w- that doesn't have any comparison to what the Muslims are doing in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not sure there's a parallel that can be drawn, because now what we're seeing um is something completely different. Right. Now, what impact, um, the and why would the Muslims want to do what the uh, persecutors were doing 1,400 years ago, right? So right. so the point is these two things are, are unrelated. In any case, uh, the first example where we're talking about the Prophet of Islam, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and the impact uh, that that had, uh, if we're speaking about the impact that it had on the Muslims, um, of course, it was a difficult time. It was a challenging time where the Holy Prophet of Islam and his uh, family and his beloved companions were uh, essentially closed in the valley of Abu Talib, which was known as the Shebe Abi Talib. Hmm. And because of that uh, situation, uh, the Muslims had to undergo a very uh, extended period of hardship and difficulty. But the Muslims persevered. And they remained true to their master, and the Prophet of Islam, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, bore those pains with great patience, and so did his family. Um, and essentially, what it shows is that the Muslims were committed to their cause, and the cause of every Prophet of Islam, every Prophet for that matter, which they bring, which they support in their time, in their lifetime, uh, is that of unity of God and of developing a relationship between God and human beings. And that's why the Prophet of Islam came. Of course, in the life of every Prophet, there is difficulties and hardships and persecution. And that persecution, which we see throughout the ages, was the greatest in the time of the Prophet of Islam. Mm-hmm. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. But he, was, he remained true to God, and so did his companions. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we, we don't have too much time, but uh, if you can, for the benefit of our listener, we can talk about how that persecution led to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, migrating to a different place uh, called, uh, called Medina. Can you just tell us yes. a little bit about that? Yes, of course. When this persecution grew, 
um, and it became difficult for the Muslims to live in uh, their homeland in Mecca. The Prophet of Islam, through a divine uh, inspiration and indication from God the Almighty, uh, then uh, migrated to Medina. And first his companions left. Nobody should think that the Prophet of Islam, God forbid, ran away or fleed in hiding uh, to save himself because he was afraid of what the Meccans would do. Uh, he was very brave. Uh, and in fact, he was the last one of the last persons to leave. Hmm. Um, and he uh, sent all of his companions slowly and gradually to leave before him. And he was he left after his community had reached Medina. Um, he traveled with Hazrat Abu Bakr, anhu, may Allah be pleased with him. Hmm. And God uh, helped them on the way. There were difficult times during that journey as well, where... Uh, there was a time, there were many times, if, where at least a few times, where it was a matter of life or death, but the P- Prophet of Islam was protected and safeguarded by Allah the Almighty, and he reached Medina successfully uh, with safety, and then uh, he continued preaching his mission uh, and message in Medina as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Some people say, or some Shiites believe that Hazrat uh, Abu Bakr may Allah be pleased with him, was scared, so he remained in the cave. And that Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him as well, he was was truly the brave one. Can you just tell us a little bit about this? Well, I'm not sure how much of a logical conclusion that uh, mm-hmm. can be, because yeah. uh, if anything, the Prophet of Islam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was the target of everybody's attention. Mm. He was the one that everybody wanted to assassinate and take his life. So all of the energies were directed to harming the Prophet of Islam, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So naturally, the person who was in the cave with the Prophet of Islam, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, must have been the bravest, hmm. because he was in the greatest uh, danger to be beside the man who was the most wanted by the people of that time. So uh, I'm not sure if that's a very uh, reasonable thing to say. In any case, the Prophet of Islam, when he was in the cave, Hazrat Abu Bakr accompanied him, and um, it was him about whom Allah the Almighty sent down revelation in the Holy Quran and said about the Holy Prophet and Hazrat Abu Bakr uh, that uh, the words of the Holy Prophet are recorded in the Quran by Allah that La Tahsan Inna Allaha Ma'ana. Do not worry, it is, uh, Allah is with us. Hmm. So Allah was with Hazrat Abu Bakr and Allah was with the Prophet of Islam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when they were in the cave. How could Hazrat Abu Bakr possibly be uh, a coward in any way, hmm. shape or form? He was the bravest of all men and the fact that he, the, the greatest fact which proves that is that he was with the Prophet of Islam who who was the most wanted at that time and everybody wanted to harm him so he was there to do whatever was to do whatever that was within his human ability to safeguard the prophet of islam after the uh, of course the real protection was from allah the almighty but he was there to do whatever he could as well of course absolutely i mean the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him when telling Hazrat Abu Bakr mm. that he was going to migrate and when he's given the instruction, he chose him as well, isn't it, to be his companion at that time? Yes, of course. Of course. So this is, you know, very interesting. And Yasmin Khan, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you this afternoon. It's a great insight in regards to this. Zakumullah. Assalamu alaikum. Zakallah. Really interesting, yeah. fantastic answers and very clear, short and succinct to the point mm. that... Um, 
I mean, there's no. We do not believe in any way that Hazrat Ali was not brave, right? Yeah, yeah. Look of at course all we, yeah. of the wars yeah, yeah. and all the battles that were fought. Yeah. Uh, so we don't even. This is when um, Ayaz Saab explained that they don't. It's the wrong question. Yeah, it's the wrong question. I mean, it doesn't make sense it's because they're yeah. all they were brave. The wars they fought together, the way they stood, and and Hazrat Ali at that time was was young as well. Yeah, right. Absolutely, he had his whole life to to still carry on and 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 move forward. But yeah, I think it's the kind of like the wrong comparison people make. Hmm. It's the wrong comparison people make because if we if we actually understand in the beginning of Islam, right, both of them accepted Islam right in the beginning. Yes, and if we say who were the first people who accepted Islam, his wife. Who was as a Khadija? She accepted. Who was she? Was the first woman that accepted Islam. The first man that accepted Islam was Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. May Allah be pleased with him. The first boy, the first young man, who accepted Islam was Hazrat Ali. Yeah. May Allah be pleased with with all of them. Now it's like you said. It's it's just hatred between different denominations against the against the Khulafa, the the caliphs. So one one book which the promised Messiah upon whom be peace has actually written, hmm. and he's clarified all these misconceptions about the Muslims and the caliphs as well. Is Sirul Khilafa. He's written he's written it in Arabic, but the English translation is available, and in English it's called the Reality of Khilafat, of Caliphate. So if our leader our, our, our listener wants hmm. to wants to read that, it's uh, available on on our web- website, which is www.alislam.org. Go into the book section, and you will definitely. Uh, find there yeah. as well. I think it's interesting how we've kind of ended up, and it's a brilliant example of a book that we should yeah. read. We had so much stuff to, to get through, yeah, but you can't had. take a second step before you've actually explained. And there's still we, there's lots of stuff we haven't yeah. touched at all. But ultimately, from uh, the migration from Mecca to Medina, and after a period of thirteen years, mm. and if you look at the history, we know that he came back. Victorious. We know they came by victorious, and that's Absolutely. another fantastic example, which we'll talk, which we'll talk about uh, at, at another time. At another time, like like I mentioned before, we spoke about persecution, or we tried to yeah. talk about the persecution and 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 the migration as well. We're going to be talking about the spread of Islam. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the kind treatment to to all people, and of course the return to to Mecca as well. About the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Now it's been a very interesting and jam packed show. And so, I mean, of course, thank you to all the guests who took time out and spoke to us, mm-hmm. and of course the producers and the researchers as well, Nuru Sabah and Sitwat Mirza as well. Zakala to the technical department, and of course, Hani uh, Khan is is an honor and a pleasure to to be presenting with That's you great. yourself yeah. as well. Same, likewise. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace be upon you all.